And we go a little something like this. Hit it. Welcome back to Keeping It Real with Dina. This week and in the coming weeks, we're going to be highlighting some of our favorite episodes from this podcast series so far. Thank you for listening, and remember, you can find us on iTunes under New and Noteworthy and also on the Google Play Store. Here's Dina. Welcome to Keeping It Real with Dina. We're continuing the party and have three different guests, a medium, a clairvoyant, and an intuitive. The show is inside the mind of a medium. What is really going on? So before we get started, we're going to talk about announcements. Me, of course. Um, so we made it to new and noteworthy people on iTunes. And this means that we're doing something really good and that Natalie knows how to hashtag everybody. So we're excited about new and noteworthy. Check us out on iTunes. I also want to um, say hello to the top four countries that are listening to us that, of course, Natalie found out about. Sweden, Australia, Pakistan, and the Republic of Korea, along with the United States. That's pretty cool, don't y'all think? Absolutely. Um, Also, I'm your host, Dina Babel. I'm an author, motivational speaker, life coach, Huffington Post blogger, registered nurse, and now I think I'm an intuitive as well. You can find our podcast on iTunes under Keeping It Real with Dina. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and give us a review. If you have an iPhone, just go to the little purple app that says podcast and type in Keeping It Real. It's very easy. My book, The Fatherless Daughter Project, Understanding Our Losses and Reclaiming Our Lives, will be on stands June 7th, and we're available right now on Amazon. We also have dates soon for our inaugural Fatherless Daughter Tribe seminar, so stay tuned for that. You can find that um, some more about it on dinababel.com or fatherlessdaughterproject.com, but we got to wait till Natalie um, blogs about that. <laughs> Uh, speaking of seminars, Mastin Kip, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of him. So he's a life coach and author as well, and he's going to be doing a seminar in Atlanta called Unstuck on May 14th. He wants to help you get clear about the next steps in your life and inspire you to take them. The fatherless daughter of the week is Mother Teresa. Did y'all know she was fatherless? No. no. I know, crazy, huh? So her dad um, actually died when she was eight. He was poisoned. Isn't that crazy? Um, and he believed that um, suffering was a gift from God. Um, so she was a nun and became a saint. Um, and she also won the Nobel Peace Prize for her humanitarian work. So shout out to Mother Teresa. Also, last shout out is to my friend and author Suzanne Adams. She wrote Musings of an Earth Angel, published by Hay House. It's a trilogy. And it's about a 22-year-old um, who has it all until she loses everything. And she has to kind of um, decide between the light and the dark. So check her out. She is also at Barnes & Noble. And her book just came out about two months ago. It's really interesting. And I think for, um, you know, probably 18 to 35 or 40 would really get into this. So the fact that we're talking about light brings me to my guest. Um, let's welcome back Laura Boone. Welcome. Hi. Misty Summerall. Hi. Let me say Misty Claire Summerall because yes. you're a clairvoyant. <laughs> <laughs> and Jamie Butler. Hello. Hi. Hi. Okay, so we're going to dive into Miss Jamie today. Um, we were talking about Laura in the last um, podcast and kind of um, how she does corporate America and she also does readings. We talked about how she uses Tara and astrology and um, how she incorporates that into the business world. Um, and now we're going to talk to Jamie Butler, who has all kind of interesting stuff going on. 
shows. <laughs> she says she was born a natural medium. She's a media personality and author, working internationally for over 25 years. She's a wholeness expert. I love that. And the author of With Love and Light, A True Story About an Uncommon Gift. Misty, did you think you read that book? I think I did. Yeah. Thank you. I told you I like to read. <laughs> um, where can we get that book, Jamie? You can get that book on Amazon. Cool. Mm-hmm. I want to read that. Um, she's the founder of the Center for Love and Light in Atlanta. And she's also the co-founder of the Love and Light Institute in Atlanta, connecting the mind, body, emotion, and soul to cultivate the potential from within. Ooh, that is some good stuff. She's also on New and Noteworthy. Yes. Her new um, podcast. So that's really cool. Yes. Tell us about your podcast. Yes, The Lighter Side Show with Jamie Butler. You get used to saying it, <laughs> I don't know, you? Right? When you're yeah. ready. No, uh, in this podcast, we kind of take laughter, science, energy, spirituality, and we mix it up and we make it modern day. We make it noteworthy, fashion, bringing it to the real, right? We mentioned before, it's not woo-woo, it's it's true, true. true. (laughs) Um, So we got a lot to get into here. I love it, bring it on. Tell us a little bit about what your gift is, how, how it plays out, what that looks like. How it plays out. Well, that's like asking, I think, somebody, not to be sassy here, but how does your smell, how does your sense of smell play out? For me, it's so common. It really is one of the basic senses that I use in everyday life. I try to explain it to people. When I showed up for this life, I didn't get kicked in the head. I didn't get the gift of amnesia. It just kind of rolled on in. Mm -hmm. And as a kid, as you know, with your daughter, I saw all the light, I saw the energy, I saw the people, the spirits that were still around, and I just believed everybody else did this wonderful thing too, until I got old enough and my parents got tired of it, and they were like, this has gotta stop. No more imaginary friends, pull it together, and they coached me through saying goodbye, closing it up, packing it up, and then as soon as I moved away, went to college, it all came back, and then as an adult, I had to rationalize what am I doing? Am I really going crazy? Mm-hmm. And at that age, you know, when you're hitting college, everybody's trying drugs to see all these beautiful lights and do all of that. And I was doing the drugs to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was on the drugs, no dead people were there. No lights were happening. And I felt human. I felt good. I felt in it mm-hmm. for real. And then when I would sober up, it was just a, a bit of a train wreck for me for a little while. And I, I called back on my family, my dad in particular to help me out and asked him, you know, maybe I should be checked into the hospital. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, no, 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 don't do that. He says, why not, you You need to talk to Nana. There's something she needs to tell you. And Is it this his mom? His mom. Okay. It wasn't until I was 18, 19 did I figure out other women in my family had it too. My great-grandmother, my grandmother, my aunt mm-hmm. on my dad's side had variety of abilities. My grandmother apologized to me. She said it was taboo. They thought if they didn't talk to me about it, that maybe it would go away. And I wouldn't have to handle this stuff. Mm -hmm. That I could just be normal. And my dad just kind of looked at me and he goes, well, what is normal? You know, we have to figure that out for you. That's a great story. (laughs) It It is. It is. I think that will help a lot of people listening. So how old were you? you, What's your first memory of, of this gift? Oh, it was part of growing up. 
seeing the, the rainbow lights. The, the one that's burned most, I think, was when I was six and I wanted to grow up and be an artist. That was my, my big focus. And I took art school at the local museum and I was very proud of it. And my mom went to pick me up one day and the teacher pulled her aside and basically announced that I was a disruption to class and that I was no longer invited back. And he explained it that the, the name of the task was to draw what you see. And I thought, damn, I'm gonna be good at that, right? <laughs> I can draw what I see. And I had people with clown buttons is what I called them, mm-hmm. the chakra system. I didn't know what it was called, but clown buttons. I had lights coming off of them, the colors, and I had sun rays and you know colors around the clouds. This is how I saw my world. This is still how I see my world. And he came by and he took my paper and he crumbled it and he goes, okay, now I need you to draw what you see like I didn't understand it the first time. So I went back and I did it all over again and he thought I was going against him and oh my god, not following instructions. And so I did you not get seeing, invited back. So you were seeing auras or their chakras or what? Energy systems, auras, layers of energy around the person, people who've passed away. I could see them and hear them. And I, I see them and hear them externally. It's not like they're they're in my mind's eye or inside my ear. Sometimes mm-hmm. that does happen, which freaks me out still. Mm-hmm. But when it's external, it's just like how you've managed to meet a stranger. You know, you don't get really revved up about that these days. You can look at them. They're away from you. You can hold out your hand and shake their hand. Mm-hmm. So it's very removed. But sometimes it happens inside. Like Laura Boone mentions she has this clairsentient. It's all inside for me. Inside, right? I would freak out, man. Mm-hmm. Like if that was inside of me, I'd wonder who am I sharing space with, you know, and, and rationalize, am I going crazy? But you know, luckily for me, it was very pushed out. External. External. So did you, did it scare you? Not when I was a kid, never. It was all beautiful, mm-hmm. really nice. They gave me some great morals to live by. They helped me build my foundation of my personality and caring for everybody, understanding that we were all one and mm-hmm. in this together, understanding death. There was no true separation. It only started scare me when I went to college and it kind of all revved back up again. And I realized I stood alone. There wasn't anybody out there. Laura Boone mentioned in her last, Dina, when you were talking to her about being at a party, a kegger. Mm-hmm. I was at a kegger in college, <laughs> uh, maybe not of age, but you know you can't catch me now, can you? Mm-hmm. And at the keg, and I remember looking at the dude next to me and I was like, man, don't worry, your mom's gonna be all right. You know, she'll be okay. That was a bad accident. And he was like, excuse me? And I was like, oh, oh, oh. And I was like, oh my God, did I not hear this from a person? Oh my, I might've heard this from a dead person. Like I couldn't rationalize who was coming, what information was coming from where, and I started to panic. And so I left. Later that night, he got the phone call that his mom had gotten to a car accident and she was at the ICU, uh-huh. that she was gonna live, but it was gonna be a really hard road. Did he call you? Did you ever see? Did he? Oh, ever? I lost a lot of friends that night. Then it just became, don't hang out with her. You know, we don't know why she see, knows that, and they so push crazy. away. And I, but I dealt with it too. Yeah. And this is what I hope we can help remedy. These young people, they're almost like I'm gonna say loaded guns, like it's violent. It's not violent, but they're walking around and they don't know mm-hmm. what they're doing or how they're affecting people. And Absolutely. Nobody, they need a voice, and we need language around it to be compassionate. But I think like what you said, most people are in the closet about it, not just the people that feel it, but the people that want to learn about it. 
So they're not going to, like if we had call-ins, people, some people would call in, but they wouldn't use their name, right? right? They want to hear what's going on. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast and talk about it and get to these types of people and even say, look, I mean, I've been to see Laura, Jamie, Misty's helped me my whole life. I love finding out all this information. I mean, it's helpful. Um, I love it. So continue on. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it just became a lot more difficult to manage as an adult. Because I think the way we see our children is that they should be carefree. They should have imaginations. And we kind of give them allowance to say more colorful things. But age six, seven, you know, we need to shape up. We need to start obeying the rules, get on with society and culture. And I didn't do that very well. Mm -hmm. It was hard. It wasn't until I was 29 did my dad really come forward at my wedding and just pretty much announce to everybody, you know, I I don't think I'll ever understand what Jamie does, but it's kind of like the wind. He's like, you don't have to see it to know that it's real but you can see what it does. You can see how it affects people. And he says, and that's what matters to me. He was the first person in my family to stand up and talk to my friends and maybe people who kind of knew what I could do, but didn't want to talk to me about it and just say, go, you Mm -hmm. know, it's okay. So what, so you're in college, that goes down. What were you studying in college? to be an actress, performing arts, but I got way into set building and costumes. So when did you take this on as a job? Like when did you do it wholeheartedly? Wholeheartedly. Well, I had moved to Atlanta because I started hitting the college. Missy, you should move to Atlanta. Everybody needs to come to Atlanta to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Which is great. I think this Bible Belt needs more of this here. I was raised Baptist, Uh but... um, Beyond that, I was doing some readings in college and it was like parlor tricks, really. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, all right, I got to get away from this. I went to massage school. I started learning about physical therapy. I was helping athletic people and got to Atlanta. I was like, I'm never going to mention this again. I'm not going to do this. I got to get away from this. It's crazy. I didn't grow up to dream to be a medium. That's crazy. Right. Can't build a life on that. You know, Mm -hmm. then people started hearing about it. And it started taking off. And so, fine, I'll do some phone sessions, right? So I was doing a phone session with this young woman. I don't even know how old she was. She had to be in her 20s. And I remember sitting on top of my massage table, and it's just like any other reading. Hi, how are you? I've got your name, and I have your phone number in case I need to call and cancel. But that's all I know about you. I don't need to know anything else. And this this was before Google and everything. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, I think it's interesting to say that because, you know, nowadays people are probably like, did you look me up? You know, there's no time to look up. Right. And then remember it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, no, please. My brain's too full. So, no, there was no researching or anything like that. And her uh, male spirit came in the room and he was handsome looking. And I was like, hey, I see you. And he was like, I see you. And he goes, I'm her father. And I went, no, you're not. I was like, dude, she's too young. Like, I hadn't really come across people who had had tragic loss like that too mm-hmm. much. And I was like, no, you're not. And he goes, yes, I am. And I was like, nope, I wasn't going to take it. Then he started showing me block letters, F-A-T-H-E-R. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, your father's here. And he told me how he passed, which was a rare, like, stomach ulcer that started to bleed and oh, had internal yeah. bleeding Ooh. and died. Yeah. And she said, yes, that's how my father died. He went through, it was the most 
amazing, see if I can get through this without crying, the most amazing connection, how this father then began to speak in detail about every important moment in her life, what she wore at her first ballet recital. Mm. And she did take ballet and that was her costume. And what she wore at graduation, who she dated, what she danced to, I'm just everything. He was there and he goes, I need you to know that I was there. And that's what matters. And it got really quiet on the other end. And I was like, okay, that's, you know, she hung up on me, of course. Like, I'm freaking out too. And she goes, Jamie, I only have one memory of my father. Just one. That's how young he was, or how young she was when he passed away. And she says, if he could just show that to you, then this would be okay. You know, and then I got angry. I was like, oh my God. I've showed you all this, yeah. All of this, right? And then you're going to put it hanging on this one picture and I remember I put the phone to my chest so she couldn't hear me and I started getting angry with like whatever was above me God whatever and I was just like listen if this is real and you want me to do this for the rest of my life I was like don't you ever put me in situations like this again you show me this picture right now and I'm I'm saying if you do this for me I will I will change my life I'll be your voice I was like just take care of me I'll do this for you And the father sat down in a little chair in front of me and he showed me this image of opening a sliding glass door out onto a concrete flat patio. No overhang, no nothing. The grass hadn't been cut well. There was a little girl that ran up to him and he picked her up, put her above his head and they they spun in a circle. Her hair was brown and it was hanging down over his face. And I said, please, is that the image? And he showed it to me one more time. So I explained it to her. And there was silence and I was like, that's it. I messed up. I was like, this is all done, it's over. Finally, she was quiet because she was crying. And oh. she goes, I have the photograph in my hand, Jamie. And it's, um, it's of the day before he died. And it was when I was in the backyard, I came out from the living room through the sliding glass doors. And she was the only thing different about what you're showing me is I had a lollipop in my mouth, but that was my only memory of my dad looking down at his face as he was holding me up. And I said, thanks. I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> and I just started crying and I hung up the phone. I was like, shit. So now I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> That's an amazing right? story. Like, I guess everybody has that kind of point in their life where they decide, God, this is really who I am. Yeah, I can't Embrace shake it, it this time. Mm-hmm. I've tried moving away from it. I've tried drugging it out. Mm-hmm. I've tried lying about it. And it's just, it's not who I am. But Jamie, you know what I love about what you just said that resonated with me? But I just, what people don't understand about this kind of work, if you have integrity, it's a lot of pressure. I'm sure. People people put a lot of pressure on you. Oh, and their Lord. hearts yeah. are on this. And their emotions are on this. And it's a lot of responsibility and pressure for somebody like Jamie who actually cares and has integrity and didn't ask for this and didn't train in like right psychology or right you know, some kind of counseling or therapist like I felt like I I should be trained in that with the questions that come across my table and the work that I do but you know you just resign that I am in a position in life where my biggest talent is being on the fence is being neutral I don't need to understand what's coming through right. I don't need to judge it filter it believe in it I just need to repeat it I just need to be on the fence. That's what I do when I've had that pressure. I, Jamie, I really, I've had, I've literally cried after readings. Mm-hmm. You, you and just, just gone, I completely missed the mark. 
Yeah. That person was so cold. Like one of the first readings that that happened to me, this person looked at me, was so cold, gave me no feedback, nothing. It was one of the first readings that I was had come out of the closet and done. She left, and I cried. I was like, I'm not going to make myself vulnerable to this anymore. I can't it's her fault. Well, she texted me two days later and said, you changed my life. Mm. Oh, God. I was so moved. I couldn't speak. I'm sorry if I seemed weird. You changed my life. The goosebumps. And, and my point is, it, it, people need to understand that it's a it's a calling, and it's very, it's full of, it's scary. It is. I think anytime you're doing the work you're supposed to do in this world, I mean, not on the same level, but even as a nurse, you know, when people say, well, this is what's going on with yes. me. And I'm like, I had a girlfriend that had a blood clot in her leg and she didn't know it. And she had been sick and she lived in a different state. And every time I talked to her on the phone, maybe I'm a medical medium. Every time I talked to her on the phone, I would say I could hear her shortness of breath. And I was like, why are you so short of breath? And she's like, oh, I had to go up the stairs. And I'm like, no, that's a lot of shortness of breath for those stairs, which they were high steps. But um, I could tell she just didn't feel well. So she came in into town. She came to see me and she's like, yeah, I've been working out with this trainer. So she pulls up her pants legs and she goes, look at my muscles. And her calf was swollen. And I said, and she's a little bit um, over the top about illnesses and stuff. Um, so I was like, I don't want to freak you out, but you have a blood clot. And she's like, what? I'm like, in your leg. And she, she was supposed to fly out. And if you fly, <gasps> no, no, it no. could be an embolus, you know, and go into her lung. And I'm like, I'm telling you, you got a blood clot. She still got on the flight. Yes. I said, make sure you take some aspirin, whatever you need to do. She got on the flight. I said, go straight to the hospital. She gets there. She, I'm talking to her on the phone. She went to work. She's still short of breath. And I'm like, girl, you got clots in your lungs and you got them in your legs. I'm telling you, get to the hospital. She was in the hospital for two weeks, almost died, had clots everywhere. But in in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm, how about if I'm freaking her out and she's just got a leg cramp? You know, like, how about if this isn't as bad as so uh-huh. I can relate on that? Because it's a vulnerability, you know? Well, and I think this work, another thing I love that you said, Jamie, is just, you know, it comes through like I just don't I try not to put all the pr- I don't know how to do all this mm-hmm. I, it comes through like it just comes through yeah. you just yeah. have, to have faith and that people are going to hear what they need to hear yes so this is so interesting and that's why I love that we're doing this show because people need to hear about this and I think it's beautiful that you both all of y'all had this gift I mean we all have gifts and it's awesome that we can embrace it and talk about it because like you said, I mean, I didn't choose to be the poster child for fatherless daughters. Believe me, I would rather be famous for something, not about the fact that my dad passed, you know. And when you realize, like, this is what was given to me and this is what I have to do with it. And, you know, when I pray at night or anything, almost the same things y'all do. I'm like, if this is what you want me to do, use it, use it. You know, I'm getting exhausted. Help me out here. This is a lot of work, you know, trying to keep corporate America going and doing this. It's hard to take on all this stuff. Yes. It's really hard. Some kind of sweet surrender in many ways. It does. But, you know, Jamie, you know, you did a lot for me and you probably don't even know it. I know you don't remember a lot of this stuff because you meet so many people and do so many readings, but um, I sat with you before my mother-in-law died who um, had ALS and she passed and we talked about the fact that she would be passing and you said, you know, I would say four or five weeks and you said the time she's got right now is borrowed and 
is so interesting. I'm getting chills right now. His my mother-in-law was such a saint. I mean, best woman in the whole world. And she had her son, my husband, and his twin brother had a very best friend that was getting married. And she stayed here until that wedding was over. The wedding was over. And because you said there's there's some big moment that's coming up in August. That's what you said to me. And I was like, okay, we all have anniversaries. Well, all of the kids had gotten married in August and her son wanted to go on a trip and he had already had it planned. And then the trip was the wedding. Right after the wedding, she went in hospice and she was she passed within two days. She wasn't going to mess up those plans, was she? Isn't that crazy? I mean, she was she was always I mean, she was so good. But I also saw you about my father and you helped me a lot with that. Um, so it's really cool to sit with Jamie and kind of watch her process. So the first thing that you did is you get a piece of paper out. And I mean, how backed up are you for sessions right now? How far out are you? We've shrunk our waiting list, but it's still eight months. Yeah, because it took me a while to get in. I was even trying to, hey, Karen, can you help me out? What can we do here? But we went in. And you got a piece of paper, and you had all your colored pencils. Yes. And so you drew, like, the outline of um, of me, I guess. Yeah, it looks like a bowling pin. Yeah, it looks like a bowling pin. Uh, again, I wanted to be an artist. Didn't happen, so my <laughs> skills went out the door. And then you get these pretty colors, and you start coloring auras and stuff, which was 100% on. 100%. I mean, it's the coolest thing ever. And so you drew what you were like, do you want me to do your auras? I'm like, yeah. So you did all this, colored all this stuff. And you wrote, so she's talking if you're sitting with her. You're talking a little bit with her, but she's basically kind of smiling and looking around you a little bit. And then she writes stuff and you talk a little bit, but it's really cool to watch because A, you're beautiful and so cute to watch you smile and get into it. So you're, you're writing it. all this stuff and I'm kind of just saying yeah this this and that and then you start asking a couple of questions but one of the things I shared during the break um, you said a couple of things during it um, but one of the things you said my son at the time I came to talk about my dad and what had happened to my dad and because I was doing the fatherless daughter project you know does he have anything to say to me you know I need to put some closure I mean God this has been 34 years I try to close it like every month I need some closure and so we were talking and you said, there's something your dad really wants to tell you. And I was like, okay, this is kind of like the girl you were telling. This is going to be good. What is it? And you were like, your son, he wants you to know that your son, um, you got to teach him to drive early. And I'm like, what? You got to teach him to drive early because he's really into cars and he'll get hurt if not, blah, blah, blah. He said, he's, he's like me. He's very mechanical and blah, blah, blah. So at the time, he's a year and a half. Okay, I got pictures on my phone. He's three now. He got like in a little electric car for Christmas. He walks around and acts like he's fixing the tires. He opens up the hood. Now, my son, my husband is no kind of mechanic. Nothing. So <laughs> this is not something he sees at home ever, believe me. Um, and he's obsessed with cars and he wants to drive. Every time I get in my car, he wants to back up the car, drive forward, back up the car. He has fake car keys. I mean, and I'd forgotten about it. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is I pulled out some papers 
to look before you were coming. Like, let me look at that reading. And I was like, I cannot even believe that. Yeah, because that is a pretty specific and quite random topic to even say about a one and a half year old boy. I know. I know. It was so cool. <laughs> I awesome. mean, there was so much more cool stuff that you're went still going to teach him how to drive, right? Yeah. Yeah. I try to. I try to. Great. You're, but you helped me be happy about that. You helped me a lot with even more closure about it because I think I was open to it. I was more open because after he died, so I was 13, and after he died, I remember specifically praying, don't come to me, don't let me see anything, because I will Mm. freak out. And on the way home from the funeral, I felt like God spoke to me and said, I was kind of mad at him, like, why did this happen to me? And he said, there's a reason, you know, something big is going to happen from this. And I always knew it, but I didn't know it had to do with fatherless daughters at all. And so I always carried around, there's something big coming, there's something big coming, which y'all have all helped me with. Um, but anyway, after all that, we were sitting in there. Around the time that I started working on fatherless daughters, I started saying, okay, I'm open to it, I'm open to it. All these crazy, wonderful things about the Coke can and everything have happened, which I share on my website. But um, you helped me kind of just be open to it and embrace it and I have to say in talking to y'all I feel closer to him now than I ever did like I feel like we have this great relationship I can drive down the road and actually talk about him that talk to him fantastic my number one goal besides being just like the basic teacher in all of this is getting people to understand that there is a new relationship that occurs after someone passes away there's something that continues with this it doesn't stop here I know it's so beautiful your dad is here. There's a lot of other ones here too today, but he's behind your left shoulder. Dyslexic. I what's have he to doing? Turn and look. He's just been standing there. Hey man, what's he up? He just says hi. <laughs> <laughs> he's quiet. He's got really good posture. He's a little more kind of buttoned up. You know, it's not doing a lot of arm gestures or anything. But mm-hmm. he's he's just standing there. I just thought I'd share it. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. God, and we're at the end of the show, and I really want to get into this. Good thing you're coming back. Yay! (laughs) So, oh my God, now I really want to talk about this. We're going to end the show, and we're going to come back with these wonderful guests. But for now, the real boss of the week is... Paid the cost to be the boss. Jamie Butler for being full of love and light and shedding some on us today and for seeing my dad. Hey, dad. You can catch us on iTunes every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening. Come on.